Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, so guys, it's been a while since I've preached. I think it's been a month. And uh, for those of you who don't remember or weren't here, we're in the middle of a series right now. Um, and that series is called You Are What You Eat. Um, so we're going to continue into that. And just to, just to recap, because it's been a while, and, and there's a few people who, who I know are new here. Um, the series is about the phrase, you are what you eat. And, and in that phrase, we know that our body is made up of, of, a, of four parts. We're a four-part being. And, and what that means is, is our mind, right, our body, like our physical body, our spirit, and our soul. And so this is a, a four-week series, and, and I want to address every one of those parts in this series. And so um, you've all heard that saying, you get out of it what you put into it. And so like that's true in, in sports, for those of you that play sports, um, it's true in, in friendships and relationships. You know, if you don't invest in a friendship, you don't invest in a relationship, or if you put in bad investments, you get bad things out of it. And if you put in good investments, you get good things out of it. Y'all get me? And so it's the same for, for, for our, our, our entire being, our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual being. And so last month, we talked about the mental part of our being. And I'm going to briefly recap just a couple of the key things that we talked about. Um, and so we said that, that our mental life, it, it, just, it, it really affects not just the now, but the future. We said that, that the way we think and what we think has a huge impact on the destiny of our life, right? And so Proverbs 23, 7, it says this. It says, for as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. John Maxwell, for those of you who don't know, he's a a pastor, an author, a a leadership speaker. Um, He says this. He says, your life today is a result of your thinking yesterday, and your life tomorrow will be a, a result of your thinking today. And so I think it, it's kind of safe to, to take this away, is if, if we change or improve the way we think, then we, we can change or improve our lives in the future. Amen? Y'all follow? And so last week we finally concluded with Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we choose to feed our minds, we said, with with more things of God, whether that be godly music, godly conversation, the the word of God, reading reading what the Bible says about things rather than what society says about things, then we'll start to think like Jesus. We'll, We'll see something and we'll think the same way Jesus would think. If it's a bad thing, we might be moved with compassion. We might be convicted, right? We're going to respond in our mind the way we feed our mind. And so today, we're going to be talking about another attribute of our being, and that's our physical bodies. And so um, there's a lot of ways I could go with this message, right? Because there's a lot, of, a lot of things to talk about. Um, and for time's sake, uh, I originally started off with four different things, and, and we're just going to hit two. We might hit the other two uh, next time we meet. I'm going to pray about it and, and feel that out. But um, I would say this. I'd say that the physical attribute is probably um, the funnest, or if that's not a word, it'd be more fun. It's probably the more fun part to talk about um, because it's what we see. It's tangible, 
You know, matter of fact, when we think about a person, usually we think about a, a physical body. For example, when I say your mind, think about your brain, right? When I say emotions, people tend to think about their heart, right? And, and people usually don't even think about the spirit. You know, they think, well, the Holy Spirit, but they don't think about them having a spirit. Really, it's a body. And so um, I think this will probably be one of the, the funner messages because it's something that you can see and, and, and visually experience. Um, but, you know, as I was stu- starting to study this stuff, I couldn't help but think, man, bodies were such a great idea. And, and we see bodies all over the place. And it's like, well, that's a weird statement, you know, but bodies are such a great idea. You know, if we're a four part being, God could have left one of those parts out. I mean, we could just be like floating spirits with feelings and a thought process, right? But God chose to give us a body. And so um, and so a couple of silly examples is just our five senses alone will make me thankful for having a body. Smell. Last night, I was, uh, I was leading a life group uh, for our, our college age ministry here, or our young adult ministry to hang out. And, um, and I don't know, we're talking about how people de-stress and, and, and how people renew their minds. And, um, and when it got around to one of the ladies in the group and, and she made the comment, oh, I use essential oils. And, and every guy in the room looked totally confused as to what she was even talking about. But every girl in the room knew exactly what she was talking about. And they elaborated on how the smell would just bring such peace. I see girls shaking their heads. Like the smell would just bring such peace instantly when they bust out those essential oils. And so for you guys, I know you can't really relate to that, but um, some of you could probably relate to this. For those of you that hunt, I don't know about you guys, but man, when, when I smell gunpowder, something about that is, is just, it's so good to me. You know, I love the smell of gunpowder, fresh cut grass. I like spring, summer, and fall the most. Shreve likes fresh cut grass. This is a weird one. I think guys can identify with this. Maybe some girls, either that or the girls are going to think this is totally gross, but uh, the smell of a locker room, man, like not y'all. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you, maybe I'm weird, but just the smell of a locker room. So thank God for noses, right? And then, and then we'll go into touch. I mean, have you ever got a massage? That's awesome, right? Thank God for our bodies. What about, what about taste? Have you ever had bacon? I mean, enough said, right? So thank God for bodies and, and sight. I mean, I know you guys love to take selfies. So if you didn't have sight... You wouldn't be able to see those selfies, right? And then lastly is, is your hearing. I mean, look, on a serious note, just tonight in worship, you know, just tonight in worship, being able to hear worship, uh, being able to have conversations, being able to, to hear preaching. Just kidding. Just being able to hear preaching, you know? And so as I'm thinking about this, I, I was reading, and I think it might have been the 8th, and uh, I was on Proverbs chapter 8, and I, and I read this, and um and I thought, man, you know, we're not the only ones who thinks, you know, our bodies are pretty, are pretty neat and pretty cool. God thinks so too. And so I'll read the first verse and the last verse of this section, and I'll sum up the in-between. But in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 22, this is wisdom talking. And it says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. And so wisdom is saying, hey, be- before anything ever existed in the world, God took possession of me. He, he, he possessed me. And then it goes on to say that he created the stars in the sky, the depths of the earth, animals, plants, all of this stuff. 
And then in verse 31, at the end, it says, rejoicing in his inhabited world. So after he created everything, rejoicing in his inhabited world and my delight. So wisdom and God's delight was with the sons of men. That's us. That's people. And so out of everything God created, we were his delight. And so when I see things like, you know, we like to travel, we like to go on on different, you know, go see like these, uh, what do they call it? Like the seven uh, monument things of the world or whatever. Right, that thing. Uh, you know, we like to see that and we're in awe at those things, you know, uh, the Grand Canyon, the pyramids, all those things. Like we're in awe at that, but God is in awe at us. And so in Genesis um, chapter one, verse 26 and 27, we see, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so again, you know, when I think about that, our, our four attributes are included in that creation. And today we're going to dive into the body. And so one more scripture came to mind. It's 1 Corinthians verse 6. Um, or chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. And, and I, was, I was thinking, you know, as Christians, we pay a whole lot of attention to our spiritual relationship with God. You know, as Christians, we want to, or we should want to pray. You know, we should want to talk to God. Um, I know when we worship and the presence of God comes in the room, we, we enjoy that, and that's good. But sometimes we'll choose to focus so much on one thing that we can neglect the other thing. Does that make sense? And so Rick Warren says this, and, and it kind of encapsulates everything I just said. God created it. Jesus died for it, and the Holy Spirit lives in it. So we should probably take care of it. Amen. So we should probably take care of it. And so for the rest of tonight, I'm going to get into a few things, but I want to look at our bodies from this lens of scripture. Uh, John 10, verse 10. So John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'll read it again. And this is Jesus talking. Jesus is saying, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so we think about that. We think, well, that naturally, you know, obviously that applies to our spiritual life. You know, he comes so that we'd have a rich spiritual life with him. But we could also apply that to say marriage. You know, he, he, he came that, that we would have a, a, an abundant and a rich marriage. Or, you know, you can apply that to different themes because the truth is God wishes that we would prosper, right? As Christians, he wants us to be prosperous. That's the plans he has for us. But today, let's apply it to our physical selves. And I believe that God, I believe that Jesus wants us to have an abundant, healthy, and whole physical life. So if we're going to have a healthy and whole physical life, I think we need to do three things. One of them is that we need to understand and implement a key biblical principle or rule 
um, that I'm going to get to in a second. That's number one. Number two, we should identify things, maybe particular things that steal, kill, and destroy that abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Because if the devil wants to come kill, steal, and destroy those things, what? how does he do that? How does he do that? So let's identify that. And then the third thing um, is is maybe identify some practical things that would promote an abundant and healthy life. Or maybe what does the Bible say about us achieving an abundant, healthy, and happy life? Cool deal? All right. Y'all awake? All right. Um, so first, we're going to get into that key biblical principle. And and the best way that I could do it is, is I could tell my own story, but I think uh, I think Jesus has a parable that tells it better than, than I would tell it. So you guys have heard the parable of the talents before. Um, and so I'll sum that up. And if you haven't, um, here it is. So there was this master, there was this ruler, and he had three servants. Or, or like today's times, that would be a business owner and three workers. And so he tells one guy, he gives him five talents. And a talent would be worth like $10,000 today. And so he gives one guy 10,000 bucks. He gives another guy 2,000 bucks. And then he gives one more guy, the third guy, 1,000. And so as we see the story play out, the guy who received 5,000, um, he actually turns it into 10,000. The guy who received 2,000, he turns it into 4,000. But the guy who received only 1,000, he didn't do anything with it. He didn't do anything with it. The Bible says that he buried it. And then when the, when the master came back or the business owner came back, he just took what he had and he just gave it to him and said, hey, uh, didn't, didn't really do anything with what you gave me. The problem wasn't that it was, it was handed over to him for safekeeping. The problem was that, that it came with an expectation. And that's the principle. That's the one word we have to keep in mind when we're looking at our bodies. The Bible says that we, we house the Holy Spirit. And so what that means, that what that one word is, is, is stewardship. It's stewardship. And, and, and really, it's in any area, but that word will make or break you for the rest of your life. And, and in, in talking about your body, we have to be a good steward of our body. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. So one of the ways we do that is by implementing stewardship. And simply put, it's it's being responsible and managing what you have. Being responsible and managing what you have. So the two things, I only picked two things to look at that, that, that kill, steal, and destroy the abundant life of, of I picked senior high students because that's, that's, that's who we are, right? Senior high students. So the top killer and destroyers of senior high students is alcohol abuse and drug abuse. That's the top two by percentage and, and statistics um, that steal, kill, and destroy the lives of senior high students. And, um, and before, I, before I go any further, I, I do want to say this. You know, if that's not something that, that you have prevalent in your life, you can't get away from that stuff, especially in South Louisiana. You're going to have friends who, who deal with any of that stuff. You're going to encounter that the older you get. And so I, I think you know, don't, don't check out on me if that's not your thing, if that's not something that you might struggle with, because somebody in your life's going to struggle with that. Y'all follow? Yeah? Okay, cool. Just making sure y'all ain't sleeping with y'all eyes open. All right. So one of the most common pressures senior high students face today, and this was actually above alcohol abuse, 
um, is is underage drinking. Um, in fact, I found this to be pretty pretty staggering. Um, over five thousand teens each year die from alcohol abuse. And so I kind of Googled how many how many seniors in high school are there in or senior high um, in Acadiana and just in senior classes in Acadiana. It doesn't again, it doesn't take in the juniors and sophomores, which is technically senior high. But but just seniors, there aren't even 5000 seniors, which kind of surprised me. But there's not even 5000. So that's like every senior in Lafayette dying from alcohol. That sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. Um, last year alone, there were 200,000 emergency room visits as a result of teenage drinking just last year. And so when you, when you read these statistics, one thing I don't like to do is just provide statistics and then not follow through with, with some real life stories with them because it just seems so impersonal. Like it's just some numbers to me, you know. And so um, when I, one of my roommates in college Oh, his name is Pat. Uh, we're, we're still good friends, you know, and we keep up. But he had an older brother, and his older brother's name was, was Chris. And Chris Ryan, which was Chris's roommate in college, and I, I don't remember the other guy's name. I think it was John. We're going to say John for the sake of the story. But Chris, Ryan, and John, they all lived together. Well, what ended up happening was they all went out one night. They all got drunk at the bar, and um, and, and Ryan and Chris stayed but John decided to walk home. True story. John decided to walk home. And so, man, they were so drunk, they could barely remember anything, right? And so John left. Well, Ryan and Chris decided to drive home. And Chris sat in the, in, in the passenger seat and just passed out. And, and from what he can remember, he must have got up and, and wobbled to his bed and went to sleep. Um, and, and, you know, Ryan drove. Well, the next morning, they wake up to boom, 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 boom just some loud beating on the door and people hollering, police, police. And so they don't know what in the world's going on. It's not every day you wake up to that, you know? And so they run at the door, both of them just hung over, man, their eyes all man, trying to figure out what's light and what's not, like, you know, just totally disoriented. And when they open the door, there's like three cops standing there with the most serious look on their face. And they say, who's Ryan? And his last name. And the guy, Ryan said, I'm Ryan. And he said, do you drive a white whatever? And he said, yeah. Well, they grabbed him, pushed him against the door, put him in handcuffs, and they said, you're under arrest. And so as he's walking out, he looks at the front of his car. I'll just say this part of the story, but it was obvious what had happened. He hit John on his way home. He hit John on his way home because it wasn't far from the bar. He was so drunk, he didn't even remember. But when he saw the front of his car, he remembered, oh, my goodness. That's what happened. That's a true story. My, my, my freshman year in college, I heard that story. Um, and I was, I was living with my friend Pat when his mom called. Um, and it's just, it's crazy because, you know, when you think about it, like he made one poor decision to go out and get drunk, you know, and then he made another poor decision to get in his car and drive. He never thought it was going to end that way. I mean, how many of you have made a mistake? Like you just made a mistake. And that mistake resulted in, in him killing his best friend, man. And so when I was I was preparing this message, I, I was just thinking about some scriptures, and and I, and I came across this one. It says, uh, "Who has anguish?" This is Proverbs twenty three, verse twenty nine through thirty five. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? 
It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns or bars trying out new drinks. Uh, Don't let the sparkle and smooth taste of wine deceive you. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous serpent. It stings like a vapor. You will see hallucinations and you'll say crazy things. You'll stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't know. I didn't even know when they beat me up. When will I awake and I can have another drink? And so when I think about that and I think about the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But but Jesus came so that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. I think, man, that poor guy, you know, Ryan's life literally got stolen away from him. You know, like that, 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 that verse literally manifested itself. That's just a sad situation, man. And so that's how the enemy does those things. That's how the through, through temptation and deceit. The last point, and this, this has an upswing to it, guys. So I don't want to, I don't want to take you down. I know that's a, that's a tough story, but the next thing is, is drug abuse. Um, that's another way that our health, right? Our, we, you are what you eat. That's another way that when you put something bad into your body, you're going to get something bad out. And there's a lot to say about drug abuse because um, there's different types of drugs, different effects, all that different type of stuff. Um, but we're going to just discuss one today, and, and I'll give you a hint. You might have heard hashtag legalize it. How many of you heard that before? Hashtag legalize it. Yeah. Um, how about it's not as bad as alcohol and tobacco, you ever heard that before? Yeah. Um, it's just a plant. You all ever heard that before? It's just a plant, guys. Um, guys like Wiz Khalifa. How many of y'all know who that is? Drake, Lil Wayne, uh, and just about everybody else. They all about it, right? Y'all figured out what I'm talking about yet? I'm talking about marijuana or more commonly known as weed. And so, um, you know, today's culture, uh, the enemy comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes, you know, the enemy's not walking around with a, with a cape and a pitchfork. And, and with every temptation, he's like, hey, this is really bad. You sure you want to do this? Like a lot of time it masks itself as something that's really not that bad. I mean, it's just a plant. And, and it's, it's, it's not as bad as alcohol and, and, and tobacco and, and, you know, those types of statements and those types of things. Um, well, I just want to make, I want to address some of those things. And I love when science proves the Bible right. And the more science keeps going, the more it keeps proving that God's word was right all along. And, and we'll do a little bit of that uh, tonight. But first, you know, when I hear that, it's just a plant. I kind of just want to follow that logic for a second. You know, it's just a plant. I can't help but wonder why people don't say that about poison ivy. You know, like I don't see anybody wanting to smoke poison ivy because that's just a plant. But it, isn't that kind of silly, right? And it's not as bad as alcohol. That's actually called a, a lesser of two evils fallacy. A lesser of two evils fallacy. An example of that is like this. Don't punch that old lady because she's a lady. Instead, punch that man, that old man, because he's a man, right? Well, why don't you just not punch anybody, right? <laughs> or, or don't rob that bank because that's a fine establishment, Rob the gas station instead, right? Because it's just a gas station. You're still robbing something. You know what I'm saying? So, so the lesser of two evils fallacy assumes that you have to pick one of the bad options. How about no one punches anybody that's old or anybody for that matter. Nobody robs anything or anyone and nobody smokes anything, right? Because the reality of those statements isn't, it's just not just an opinion that that's false. The Bible doesn't just say not to do it. But science actually says 
those things aren't true. Before we get into the, the science behind it, let's look at two scriptures. All right. Second Timothy one, chapter one, verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, so that word sound mind there, look at that word sound mind. In Greek, it means self-control, discipline, and remember this word, sanity. Sound mind means sanity. So God hasn't given us a spirit uh, of fear, but of power, love, and of sanity. I'm coming back with that word in a second. Let me just tell you that when you're high, none of those things occur. You're not self-controlled, you're not disciplined, and, and you'll see in a second, you're really not sane. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 23. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That's before you were a Christian. That's your old self, right? So which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Remember I said the devil's not walking around with a pitchfork and a cape. It's deceitful desires like smoking weed or doing drugs to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Remember, minds, sanity. Let's look at some actual research now. So Dr. Phyllis Bonafice, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of her. Um, she, she publishes a whole lot of books. UL uses a lot of her books in their science um, department, in their psychology department. But she's a neurobiologist, a pharmacologist, and a neuropsychologist. So she sounds like she knows what she's talking about, all right? <laughs> And uh, she's, she does a lot of work with Harvard, and she does a lot of work with Yale, and she does contract work. So she doesn't just stay at one place and, and a couple universities in Canada, but she specializes in this stuff. And, and I watched a, a really long interview um, that she had, and, and I pulled some statistics from it. And watch how the Bible really backs these things up, or these things rather back up the Bible, okay? So 7 to 10% of high school students smoke weed daily. That's a lot, guys. Seven to ten percent don't sound like a big number, but if we got sixty people in here, that means it would be representative of six people, right? Or six or seven to ten. I'm sorry, I won't get six from seven to ten, right? Um, and she said this in her interview: the percentage is going up in people who smoke marijuana, but the percentage is dropping in people who abuse alcohol. And she from, from her, sur her surveys and her studies is, is saying that it's because of the misconception that alcohol is worse than weed and that weed isn't harmful. But check out the research. It said she studied 1,200 people who smoke marijuana and found that collectively, there wasn't one case that was an exception, collectively their IQ level dropped 18 to 22 points. 18 to 22 points. That's enough to clinically diagnose someone as a special needs individual. 18, an 18, just an 18 point drop. And that's people who smoke marijuana on a daily basis. She went on to explain that marijuana is actually not even considered a drug by definition because it's actually made up of 400 chemicals, many of which are called psychoactive chemicals. Psychoactive means it has a profound, significant impact on a person's mental process. In other words, it does a, it does a number on your brain, right? And so right here we saw psychoactive chemicals. The root word here is psycho or psychotic, which means insane. So weed contains the exact same chemical that when they do a, when they do a test on people who are insane or, 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 or clinically insane, 
that's the same levels of insanity they have and the, the, the same levels that, that they look at to say, hey, this person's insane, that's the same thing that weed has in it as one of its predominant chemicals called THC, for those of you who've heard that before. And so when we look at that insane, we think, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Greek word there is sanity. And so what happens is when people are smoking weed, they're literally taking in their, in their brain and in their body something that God has given you the opposite of. You'll follow that? Something that God's given you the opposite of. And she went on to address the claim that marijuana isn't addictive because we hear that a lot too. It's, it's not addictive. It's not habit forming. Well, she's been doing this for over 30 years and has an ongoing study that says the following. One in 10 people who smoke weed become addicted. That's 10%. 10% of people who smoke weed, they become addicted, so it is clinically addictive. 30% of those who try marijuana become addicted to other drugs. 50% of those who are in rehabilitation clinics for treatment on any drug, their drugs started by smoking pot, smoking weed. And then 90% of those same people started smoking weed in their teen years. So 90% of people that's, that's, that's very close to 100%. 90% of people in rehab clinics started smoking weed when they were teenagers. That's staggering. Staggering. One key difference between alcohol and marijuana is the way your body reacts to it. Your body naturally metabolizes alcohol as a harmful food or substance. But marijuana is not even metabolized. Here's what that means. That means your body can't digest it. So... Instead, your body treats it as a toxin, and this is why that's significant. THC, the toxin chemical that causes the high, is the most toxic to your brain. It's the most toxic to your brain. Even though the average high lasts between two to four hours and some longer, THC doesn't technically leave your brain for over a week. So the high might wear off, but the THC is still in your brain. That means that even though you aren't high, your IQ is dropped by 18 points for over a week, okay? For those who smoke weed daily, THC is in the brain for over 90 days. So if, if, if you have friends who do that daily, they could quit right now, cold turkey, and for 90 days, THC would still be in the, in the frontal cortex of their brain. So that means their IQ is dropped at least 18 points, for 90 days, maybe 22 points for 90 days. So like I mentioned, marijuana damages the frontal cortex of the brain. That's the part of the brain that's responsible for insight, judgment, self-assessment, memory, um, and, and a few more details. And so when we look at the above time frame, say it takes 90 days for THC to leave the brain, that also means that It'll take 90 days for your insight to be back to normal, your judgment to be back to normal, your self-assessment to be back to normal, and your memory to be back to normal. And this is the last part of her study before we get into more scripture is um, she did a, a, like a 20-year study on families, on, on families of mental patients. So patients who are in mental institutions, she studied the family members, and, and she, would, she would interview them. And she'd ask them, what are the key issues that you're dealing with with this family member? Like, what are some of the diagnosis situations or incidents that you could tell me about? And they'll give her a list. Well, whenever she'd go to the patient, 
she'd say, what do you think you're in here for? She'd, she'd, she'd prompt the same question. Over 20 years, 0% of the patients have ever said what their family member said because they can't, they, they, they literally can't see it. Like they literally can't see the dysfunction. And there's, there's research to, t- to tell us why. We know that that that's oh that's a free the prefrontal cortex that I talked about earlier. Um, that's the same part of the brain. When somebody gets in a bad car accident and they forget who they are, or when when somebody gets hit with something and they they lose their memory, where THC sits and causes that that IQ drop, that's the frontal cortex of the brain. That's what happens when you smoke weed. And so I don't know if you have any friends like this. I have friends who do that. And and they're different when I, when 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 they're doing that stuff, and and they can say, and they'll often tell me, they'll often say, "Dude, I'm not any different. I'm not any. I don't act different. I can still function. I can still do all the same things." And my friends and I can look at them and say, "Bro, no, no, you, you're totally different. Like you you act totally different." And they'll insist, "No, I don't." They do. They just really can't see it. They really just can't see it. And so, um, you know. When we look at the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, we could see how that's total deception. When you can't see something, you're being deceived, right? So whenever God wants to, wants to, he, he, we read earlier in the service, he has a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. When God wants to take you along that purpose, how can he give you guidance and direction when you're being deceived, right? And so in essence, this does, a, and the reason this isn't a physical message is, is because it affects your brain which in turn affects your thought process and your purpose. Okay, so it's a lot of depressing news, right? And a lot of, a lot of serious stuff. Um, so let's get to some good news. So the good news is the other part of the verse, right? It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so when we read that whole verse in its entirety, John 10 verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, it's fair to say that the enemy has a will and a plan for your life, and so does Jesus. And the good news is Jesus' will and his plan, it always trumps the enemy's will and plan. It doesn't matter what he's trying to do. If you will side with Jesus, he overcomes. He overcomes. In Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? We don't have to fall for, for deception. We don't have to fall for things that, that say it feels good now, do it type stuff. That's usually the deception that will, that will kill, steal, and destroy, as you've heard tonight, right? So let's stand. Let's stand in closing. I want to encourage you. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So everybody deals with the same temptations. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out to stand up under it. We're never confronted with a temptation that God won't give us the strength to resist ever, ever. So let's just close our eyes, let's bow our heads, and and I'm going to read one more verse. And I just want you to to just kind of dwell on what we've talked about tonight and and dwell on this verse. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and, and then you guys will be free to go and come up for prayer after. But... With your eyes closed, just listen. It says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. 
Therefore, honor God with your body. You might be here tonight and, and you know you haven't been a good steward of your body. Maybe it, maybe it was in some of the ways I talked about tonight. Maybe it was in some other ways that, that you might feel convicted about that. You might want to respond to that. You might want to get prayer tonight for that. You, know, you might be here and you might say, hey, I haven't really lived as though my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe it's been a while since you've heard that or maybe, maybe you've heard it, but it's really settling in. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have been allowing the enemy to kind of get in the way of that abundant life that we know Jesus wants us to have by falling into temptations and deceptive things like we talked about that have, that have killed or, or stolen or destroyed, at least for the moment, an abundant godly life. Maybe that's you. And you know, at the end of all this, maybe, maybe you would say, you know, I, I'm, not even a, I'm not even a Christian, man, and, and all this stuff sounds really heavy. You know, God's a good father. He loves us so much and he genuinely wants, he genuinely wants the best for our life. You know, the devil has a lot of cheap counterfeits out there. And here's what that means. If he can make you settle for the fake thing, you'll never get the real thing because you'll hold so tight onto that fake thing that God can't put the real thing in your hand. And a lot of times that's how he steals and kills and destroys. It's not that we necessarily physically die. He just puts the fake thing in our hand. But see, and, and he'll try to make it look like God's just a mean God with some mean rules. And that's not the truth at all. He just has a guideline and, and, a, and a map and a blueprint to get you to receive an abundant full life. That's a good God. We serve a good God, y'all. We serve a good God. Don't let the enemy, I feel like somebody needs to hear that. Don't let the enemy pervert who God is. God's a good father. He's a good father. And so if you're here tonight and you say, hey, I don't know God like that, but I, I genuinely want to know him. I don't want to follow a ritual. I don't want to be religious. I just want to know who God is. If everybody would just bow your head and close your eyes out of respect, if that's you, everybody's head's bowed, everybody's eyes closed. If you would say, man, I just want to know who he is. I just want to know him. I'm not into religion. I'm not into rules and regulations, but I want to know his heart. If that's you and your heart's beating right now, I just want you to raise your hand because all I want to do is pray for you. I'm not going to call you up. You might have been in church for a while. And you might just feel like tonight, hey, you know what? I, I think I want to know him. If that's you, just raise your hand. All right, guys. So listen, guys, I'm just going to pray for you. And you're free to go. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you have anything on your heart you want to pray about, we're going to have some altar workers up here after the service. I encourage you, come get some prayer. Come and stand with people and pray and have them pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just I thank you for tonight, God. And Lord, I just want to bring you glory and I want to bring you honor. You're a good father. You're an awesome God. And Lord, you don't need any of us, God, but you love us. You created us for relationship. You didn't create us to, to rule over and, and to just place a bunch of hard rules and restrictions. You created us to have an intimate heart-to-heart -heart relationship with you and be part of every every moment of every day what an amazing God so Lord I just pray that you would grow that relationship that you have with every person in this room wherever each person's at God I pray that you take them to the next the next level in that relationship you don't have a ceiling God and and you don't have a depth you're infinite 
and so we can keep growing in that relationship. So God, I pray that in, in, in everybody's heart in here, they would have a hunger for your word. They would have a desire to get into your word, read your word for themselves, not, not, to, not to complete a, a, a list of to-dos, but God, just to get to know more of you, God. I pray that when they do that, they become more like you. Lord, I pray that you would just show yourself in practical, relevant ways in their life. God, I pray that everywhere they look, they'd see you. I pray they'd feel your love and they'd feel your peace, even when it doesn't make sense, God. And I just pray, Lord, that, that you would continue to lead people into a deeper conversational relationship. That they wouldn't look at prayer as a chore, but they'd look at prayer as an opportunity to talk to the creator of the entire universe. We love you, Lord. I pray that you'd bless everyone in here, God. Give them ears to hear you speaking to them. Give them eyes to see things that you want them to see, God. And I pray that you would place just a shield of protection around them, God. Keep them safe on the road. Keep them safe at school. Keep them safe at home. God, I just pray that that you'd have your way in everybody's life in here tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.